0: Good morning, church. My name is Ryan McLaughlin. This is my wife, Emily, and uh, we are covenant partners here at First Presbyterian and are thrilled to have the opportunity to read scripture with you guys this morning.
1: Um, Today, we are starting a new
0: series, Make a Joyful Noise. We will discover how the songs of scripture shape the saints, making us more like Christ in our life, our labor, and in our love so that we can redemptively shape the world. Today, we see how Mary moved from suffering to singing by being shaped through Hannah's song, inviting us to be shaped by scripture for rejoicing. Please join us in reading Luke 1, 39 through 49. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field.
1: Thank you all very much. If you have your Bibles open, please keep them open. If you do not have them open, uh, then grab one or find it on your phone, because we're going to dig into the Word together. I am very excited about this series um, as we study different songs of Scripture, uh, beginning with uh, Mary's song. Uh, Before we go to the Word of the Lord, will you join me in going to the Lord of the Word in prayer, asking for his blessing on our study? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the revelation of who you are, uh, for your will and your plan and the work of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit for those who belong to you. We ask now that your spirit would illuminate our hearts. We long, Lord, not to just be inspired, but to truly be transformed conformed more into your image that we might be faithful in living more for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the songs of Scripture, Scripture itself, it shapes us. It shapes our identities. It shapes our significance. It shapes our strength and our security that we have in God's steadfast love. Just as songs shape And music shapes people in society today. Now, movie soundtracks. If you've watched a movie and a soundtrack is playing, then you know that that helps you get into the movie. Don't believe me? Try watching any scary scene on mute without any music. It's just not scary at all when the music fades. You want to identify with being shaped by scripture? I mean, by songs? How many of you have a playlist of any kind Table for one up here. No, okay, thank you. There's all the hands, all right? So people have running playlists so that when they run, they can feel motivated. People have study playlists. Athletes have walk-up music and playlists that they listen to before they go out because songs and, and music actually shape us in who we are. All of us can identify with hearing a song and it taking you back to a certain season of your life. Maybe it was a relationship, time with friends, uh, family, uh, uh, good memories. Uh, Make a joyful noise. This series that we are doing uh, this summer is looking at songs of Scripture that shape the saints. Try saying that five times. Songs of Scripture shape the saints. Songs of Scripture, I'll stop there before I have to close in prayer. But the, the potency of God's Word, the power... Of God's word to form you, to be your formative authority in life, is available to us when we allow and intentionally have God's word shape us, like we do with our college fight songs as we get ready for football season or a football game. In the same way that in relationships, people say, Oh, that's our song, right? You want to know what Lisa and I's song is? I bet you do. It's our song. I'm not telling you. It's awkward. But songs teach us; they shape us. How many of y'all learned the states of the United States to songs? Okay, a lot of people did. Some people learned uh, the states in alphabetical order uh, through a song. Not me. For those of us who aren't quite as savvy, uh, are underachievers like me. How many of us learned the fruit of the spirit through a song? Okay, thank you. There's only seven of those. We'll take that. Uh, But look. This is why, songs are why we have a love-hate relationship with VBS, isn't it? Like, we love that our kids are learning through song, but that week is long, because it is just like, all right, okay, here we go again, another song. We still have room if you want to sign up for VBS. <laughs> we have it. But songs give us a sense of identity. Taylor Swift is a great example there are, there's this whole stratus in our society of parasocial relationships where we feel like we have relationships with celebrities because we really vibe with their music and they're just really speaking to us and it doesn't have to just be T-Swift, I like some of her music, but you know it's true. Music's so powerful, songs are so powerful, this is true. If you've walked with aging parents who are struggling with Alzheimer's, it is a long and difficult road, but there is such a thing called music therapy with Alzheimer's patients because as short-term memory begins to go and even names of family members can be forgotten, music goes deep into the memory and people can identify songs. And it's actually how families... Can have moments even when there's forgetfulness. Well, this summer, we're gonna discover the power and, and hopefully have, have more intimacy with one another, but really with the writer and the singer of all great songs. We're gonna look at songs like next week, I just cannot wait. Did you know there's a song of scripture that actually shapes the servants of God for warfare and restoration? It's unbelievable. We're going to look at how songs shape us for really, not stop, look, and listen, but lament, look, and listen, to to really live humanly in a world that is broken with burdens. We're going to see how how songs give us an opportunity to feast on salvation and how they teach us and shape us. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of some of the Psalms in July and how it forms us to have a deeper security. How it directs us, they direct us to walk in wisdom, to have a peace that really is beyond understanding, to have service mark our steps. We're gonna discover how songs of scripture help us to make a joyful noise in all of life. And I'm really, really excited about it. So, the, the shaping of songs in society, of us individually and even collectively, are an illustration, but they're also an invitation because here's what you need to know. Every good lyric, every beautiful melody line, every captivating chorus that we hear is actually a signpost that, that comes from the depth of your soul and points to the one who is the most beautiful, the most lovely, and the one who captures us with his covenant faithfulness in ways that we truly long to experience. All the songs, the melodies, and the music that make so much of life today are signposts that point to the steadfast love and the satisfaction our soul longs for. And the invitation is to move from simple appetizers to a feast at the beloved table of our King. It's the songs of Scripture that will teach us what satisfaction looks like that really shape us and send us to shape the world. Now, uh, Luke, we're going to look at Luke and Mary's song. And Luke, I I think he kind of likes songs. He has like four songs in the first two chapters. All right. I consider Zachariah's prophecy a song. We're not going to look that. You might remember the angels in heaven that are rejoicing uh, at the birth of Jesus. Uh, They're singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. That's a song. Uh, You might remember that old dude, Simeon. Uh, He actually sings when when he meets the consolation of Israel. That's Jesus Christ who was brought in uh, by Mary and Joseph. But but at the center of all these songs, and really uh, the, the crown jewel of songs in the New Testament, is Mary's song. And Mary's song is the climax of moving from a place of celebration to struggle and from struggle to singing. You remember Mary's story. Mary was betrothed to be married. She was engaged. She had her, her future planned out. I'm sure Joseph was a dude of dudes by just the way he reacted when he heard the news that Mary was pregnant. But before the angel Gabriel shared, Mary and Joseph had plans. Life was going according to plan, exactly how anybody wanted it in their time. In our time. Until there was a divine interruption. And the celebration of Mary's life was met with a a message, a pause, that there would be a child in her womb that isn't from her father. I mean, isn't from her husband, Joseph. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that sense of shame that comes with that? Could you imagine the anxiety that comes with that? Could you imagine the frustration that comes with knowing your life was planned just how you wanted it to go? That the marriage was everything. All the families were excited. Everything was going. And then there was a divine surprise. Mary was going to be pregnant. Now we know how Joseph reacted from the Gospel of Matthew. Joseph while he could have sent her away to be stoned, chose to divorce her quietly in his heart to save her life. But the clear picture is that the celebration was turning to devastation. The adjectives, if you look down at your passage, we're going to look down at the scripture here and really nail it. But before, it's this wasn't on the screen before, it says, Mary, when she heard this from the angel, it says that she was greatly troubled. The angel says to her in verse 30, be not afraid. She was afraid. And in verse 34, it shows that she was questioning. How can this be? Have you been there before in life where your spirit is troubled, where you feel afraid? And that you're marked more with questions than you are answers. This is where Mary was. And all of us have a choice in this moment. Mary had a choice. We have a choice. We can cope. We can can try to avoid things. We can just move on and pretend like, hey, there's nothing really a big deal here. Can't we just all smile and move forward and be happy? There's a marriage happening. She could have medicated her way through it. As a teenager, surprised by a pregnancy, there were options. Where do you turn when things don't work out how you expect? When you are troubled? Where do you find your strength when you're afraid? When you're uncertain, you don't know the future? When you have more questions than answers? Well, when we allow Scripture to be stored in our soul, then we can move from struggle and surprises to singing. And Mary's going to show us how. I mean, Luke 1.37, I love this. Just let this passage marinate in your mind and your heart. Nothing is impossible with God. You want to know how far you have to go in believing this? Gauge whatever struggle or question you have in your life with that statement. Is it really impossible to find reconciliation? Is it really impossible to have personal renewal? Is it really impossible for your greatest fear to not kill you with anxiety, but really to give you peace? Is it peace possible? Is it possible to actually look at areas of our life where we want to grow and need to grow, or our family, or our friendships? where we want to go and actually find more fruitfulness, nothing is impossible with God. And when the storehouse of Scripture saturates our soul, then when we encounter struggles and we encounter difficult seasons, we will learn to sing. Look what Mary does. I love this. Mary makes three steps to move from struggle to singing. The first thing she does, look down at verse 39 and 40. It says, in those days, Mary arose and she went in haste to the hill country of Judea. The first thing that she does to move from struggle to singing, she makes community a priority. You you want to know how far Mary had to go? Most scholars say that she had to go around 70 kilometers. That's a long way. You know, it's very tempting when we get surprise news. It's very tempting when, when we have divine interruptions. It's very tempting when we're, when we're going through the, the mire of struggles to let ourselves be bogged down in self-pity, to let ourselves uh, be pouty, and to start blaming everybody else. Where are people when I need them? Where are my friends? And we begin to let this victim narrative come. But Mary invites us not to get stuck in self-pity, but to move towards intentional community. She goes to Elizabeth. Why does she do that? Because the angel had directed her to do so. Why do we move towards the church towards, uh, towards the ch- in our struggles, towards brothers and sisters in Christ? Why? Because the Bible tells us to. And the enemy wants you to think that all you've got is your struggling situations, all you've got is your frustrations, so sit in it. But the step to move from struggle to ceiling, the first one is to, is to move on the path of gospel-centered community. Second, we see in verse 41 to 44 that acknowledging Jesus as Lord brings joy and peace in the midst of problems and pain. If you look at Elizabeth and Mary's interaction, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. The baby leaped in her womb. I love that. John the Baptist, is, is true that the, the life in the womb can participate in the excitement of God's promises, his blessings, uh, his, his faithfulness. And, and he's responding in Elizabeth's womb, filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed in a loud voice all the way down to verse 43, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? All of us have a womb that is longing to give birth to hope, that is longing to give birth uh, to peace, that is longing to give birth to purpose. And when Jesus, like Elizabeth, is acknowledged as Lord, it's his authority It's his direction. We're going to follow his will, his way. Well, what about how I feel? I mean, Mary, I'm sure, felt scared and and wanted to hide in her shame. Mary, I'm sure, felt like, uh, you know, elevating this to some sort of family level, going to see Elizabeth, that's going to make it awkward to be honest with what's going on in here. Feelings are important. But the fact and the truth of Jesus being Lord, of his word, that should always, always direct us. And when Jesus is Lord of our life, in times of our troubles and our trials and our struggles and even our suffering and our shame, when we allow ourselves to go on the path towards community and acknowledge Jesus as Lord, we will be very close to learning to sing in our struggles. The third thing is this that Scripture is the formative authority. How do I know I really, in community, when times are tough, when I get surprises, when life is not meeting the expectations and the desires that I have? How do I really know what God's Word, what God wants me to do to have Jesus as Lord? It is to open the Scripture and read it. Jesus demonstrates his authority and his rule through his word. Look what Elizabeth says in verse 45. She says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of, Of what? Of how she felt? No. That there would be a fulfillment of her desires for life? No. That there would be a fulfillment of the script that she wrote when she was a little girl about what the perfect life looked like? No. That there would be a fulfillment of all of her friends' expectations? No. That there would be a fulfillment of what her family wanted so that they could look highly honored in all the world? No. But that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken God's word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And if you truly want to have sustainable singing in times of struggle and even suffering, then you must embrace the invitation to be saturated with God's word. If we're only being shaped by the songs of our society, if we're only being molded by the music and the melody of this world, then when we hit times of suffering, we will react accordingly. But the invitation from a God who loves you is to practice participation in personal relationships so much so that we not only pray to him and he hears us and he knows us, but we hear from him and his word shapes us. I promise you, the storehouse that is in your soul, when it's filled with the seed of God's word, it will bear a harvest, a harvest of fruitful righteousness, even when you're surprised by God's providence. Now, Mary's song has been described as a virtual collage of biblical texts. She starts singing and she's, her singing it ca- captures words from Genesis, uh, uh, from Exodus, from the Song of Moses, from, from, from Leah in Genesis. It captures words uh, that come from Judges. It captures words that come from First and Second Samuel, from the Psalms, from, from all over the place. Her lyrics for her song are completely shaped by Scripture. But nowhere are they more shaped than Hannah from 1 Samuel 1 and 2. Now, Hannah was a woman just like Mary. Hannah was a woman who, who wanted to be pregnant. And she went every year after year after year, 1 Samuel 1, to the temple to pray, to ask God to hear her and provide life in her womb. She, it's described to her, she was distressed in her heart. She was so anxious about her desire that she couldn't even eat. And she was given a double portion. Go back and read it. She was marked by vexation, questions, fear. Have you been there? And she still went year after year to pray. And we look at Hannah's story, and I challenge you to read it. If you, read, if you take time later today to read 1 Samuel 1, 1 Samuel 2, and then read uh, Luke 1, and compare Mary and Hannah's story we did in Sunday school. It was super fun. And look how when Hannah gets pregnant, just check it out, she begins to sing to the Lord. And her lyrics of her song are exactly what shapes Mary lyrics of her song of praise. You see, when you look at it later, you'll see real quick that there's rejoicing in the Lord. Now rejoicing is a theme of Mary's song. Uh, We see it right off the bat. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And this carries all the way through Mary's song five different times. She's rejoicing in the Lord and the language is picking up right on Hannah's uh, Hannah's but not only that, but but Mary, the shape of her song is a declarative praise. She's praising God. She declares that God is holy, right in line with 1 Samuel 2. 2. Uh, she is in Luke 149. If you look down at our last one, we read, for he who is mighty has done great things, and holy is his name. Now, we could spend time looking at declarative praise psalms uh, in the Old Testament, and we could see ways uh, that her psalm is actually the same shape as those, but right now we're just gonna appreciate the fact that this girl who was surprised by a divine interruption, her response, her bursting forth was a hymn, a song that had the same shape is at least eight different psalms of praise in the Old Testament. Why? Because before her time of suffering, She had built in her soul a storehouse of Scripture. God's Word and the music of Scripture had shaped her, and she was ready. Finally, they both sing uh, about praise for God's kingdom ways. The proud will be brought low, the hungry will be filled, the faithful protected, enemies defeated. Here's the deal. Life is about more than a feeling. There is objective truth, truth that is unchanging. All flesh is grass, and all its glory is like the flowers of the field. Their grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. God's word will accomplish that which it was sent out. And the invitation is to sink your roots into it so deeply that the facts of it will shape your feelings and your life and your faith will flourish, even in difficulty. I was, This could look a little foolish. I was reminded of how foolish this could look. Um, this week uh, on Memorial Day, I went with my family out to the Guadalupe River. There's a, a little uh, county park um, out in Kendall County. We like to call our, our river land um, because we can go and park there for free. And if anybody's there, they can leave and we can have fun. Just kidding. So we're sitting there just kind of skipping rocks, wading in the water, and this it was so beautiful. This deer came over the hill and it walked down to the side around, and around us. We're skipping rocks and it it drank. And what do you think of when you think of that? As the deer panteth for the water. And so Psalm 42. So, like anybody that's been shaved by Psalm 42, I started singing it, and my kids were like. You are so annoying. You're ruining this. What are you doing? You're going to scare it away. Here's the promise. When you live in a world and you allow yourself to be shaped by Scripture, that the songs of Scripture will give you peace, even in a world of problems and pain, that you'll have security even when everyone else is feeling anxiety. When you allow the the songs of... Q laughing. When you allow the songs of Scripture to save you with such substance that you stand out, you will stand out. But the invitation is to move from a place of devastation to restoration because you can participate in singing of the Lord's salvation. And that is what Mary demonstrates and God invites us to. So as we land the plane, I challenge you to go the distance for Healthy Gospel Community. Don't get stuck in your self-pity and your poutiness, but take the path to real, authentic, biblical family. Open your heart to allow Jesus to work deeply in you, to, to allow the gospel to seek to the roots, the roots of what's going on here. Stop avoiding things. Start facing them. Marinate and meditate on God's word. Not just praying, but listening And allowing it to shape you. I'm not talking just about forming Christian playlists. Those aren't bad. I'm not talking about just listening to Christian radio. That's not bad. I am saying, allow God's word to be your formative authority. So no matter what's going on in life, even if you feel like you're just walking through fertilizer, your faith will flourish. And finally, join the chorus and start singing celebrating God's unchanging character, especially his goodness and his sovereignty as you welcome the authority of his word and his work. Friends, we know that suffering and struggle, that shame are not the end of the story. They are not and they will not because when Jesus Christ entered into history, He took the shame of our sin. He entered into suffering and he died so that no matter what we're going through, we know that death has no authority, that the difficulty is not a dead end road. It was the night that Jesus was betrayed that after giving thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Eat this. In remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of my new covenant, my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. (laughs) For the forgiveness of your sins. And often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and he will come again. He will. He will redeem all that he's allowed. He will. He will demonstrate that he is king and that he is working all things according to his purposes the good of his people and the glory of his name. He will demonstrate how our moments of weakness and difficulty will be areas where his strength and his sovereignty is displayed. For now we come and we taste the sufficiency of his grace. I'm going to pray and set these apart. And after I pray, I'm going to ask you, to servers, to come forward. Please come and take the elements and hold on to them until after everyone has been served and we'll go back and participate together. This is Jesus' table. It's not the table of First Presbyterian Church. So anyone that belongs to him, securely in relationship, come feast on his grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the power of the gospel, the objective truth uh, of your word and your work in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the opportunity to be nourished by this grace. We can come in the the poverty of our belief and taste the richness of your love. We can come to you in our death and feast upon your abundant life. We can come to you in our unrighteousness and, and feast on your righteousness, that in our sin and our shame, we can feast upon your forgiveness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you have moved your people from a place of being your enemy To becoming your children. And we ask now that you would set this common and ordinary bread and cup apart and that you would, by the power of your spirit, though you're locally present at the right hand of the Father, Jesus, that by your spirit, you would nourish us, your people. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.